Welcome to the Radical Self-Belief Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Fogdenmore, the Mojo Maker, and this is your ultimate destination for candid, essential, inspiring advice to get you in the driver's seat of life. Discover exclusive leadership insights, plus proven practical tools and techniques to activate true conscious decision-making for extraordinary results. Reignite your vision, harness effortless energy as we guide you to truly be the CEO of your life as well as your business for absolute sustainable success. Welcome back to Radical Self-Belief, the Mojo Maker podcast. We're in season four now, and it's with exceptional joy that I get to have a radical human on the show. You're about to listen to transformational truth teacher, Coot Blackson, who's got a couple of amazing books out, and we will be touching on his latest book, The Magic of Surrender, in this episode. So get your pens and paper ready. If you're driving, if you're listening to this podcast while you're working out, or maybe you're watching this video, Rest assured, the key points will be put in the show notes. You can hop over to NikkiFogdemore.com or my YouTube channel, of course, any of the podcast channels. Before you do that, a couple of admin points. Uh, If there are several areas in this podcast that you love, such as links and everything else, all you need to do is leave a comment. If there's something particular you'd like to ask a question on, and we can direct you where to find that as well after this interview with Coot. And as always, thank you for liking and subscribing and supporting this channel and the guests that we have on the show. We're here to give you as much information as possible that you can take away extreme radical value. And I urge you to listen from your side of the street that you can have the best takeaways from this episode. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to today's guest. Uh, He probably needs no introduction if you're in the world of mindset, self-development and neuroplasticity and thinking about the infinite powers of manifestation. Coot Blackson, Coot, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Thank you for having me. One of the wonderful things about your teaching, and I know you've won an award that I think Oprah was also a recipient of, is your background um, coming from Ghana and having a, a lot of history uh, in the church and everything else and seeing a lot of people talk about awareness and awakening and self-belief and belief of something stronger, this universal connection has guided you through all your teachings at the moment. And your first book, You Are The One, speaks about the fact that you need to stop looking at external validation and understand what your truth is as an individual. So really reclaiming that alignment with self. How do you feel that you ended up from Ghana and in a world where you were in this increasing sort of radical life in its own. And then all of a sudden you become the next version of a somewhat spiritual teacher for the masses at the moment. You know, I was, I was a very empathetic kid growing up. So I would feel people suffering very deeply. And there was always a part of me as a five, six, seven year old kid that wanted to alleviate people's suffering. I didn't know what that would look like, but I felt it in my heart. And so, yeah, you know, I grew up in a very interesting environment where I grew up around, and my first memories as a kid was literally seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand. This man walks on, wipes on her face and stands up. And so the same man who sends, she picked up a look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, hey, why are you in this wheelchair? A blind person touched their eyes. They would, sight would be restored. This man was my father. And so he built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. He built a huge church in London, 5,000 people every Sunday. He was a very mystical, spiritual man, you know, not so much religious in a sense, but very mystical, metaphysical. Mm-hmm. And so I was blessed to grow up in this environment. And so, you know, in a nutshell, age eight, 
I started speaking in my father's audiences. That began my speaking career. Age 14, I was actually ordained as a minister in my father's churches, given the mandate to take over, which was kind of a big deal because he had hundreds of thousands of followers at his height. And so there was a lot of expectations on me. And so for me, my path was set out for me. My path was carved out for me, the expectations of my father and the people. But I knew in my heart that this wasn't my path. This wasn't my destiny. This wasn't, this wasn't my purpose. But I was too, like I think many of us, I was too afraid to speak my truth. I was too afraid. My fear was if I dared to speak my truth, if I dared to be who I am, then I'm going to be outcast and I'm going to be alone. Then I'll lose my father's love. And so for four years, I said nothing, went along with it. A lot of internal uh, turmoil, a lot of internal conflict. But I knew that there was something else calling me. And for me, I wanted to come to the US. Uh, a lot of the authors I'd read about as a young boy, Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Louise Hay, you know, Wayne Dyer, they lived in California, in Southern California. So I wanted to come and meet these folks. And so when I was 18, uh, things began when I decided I knew what I had to do. I felt this calling. I think sometimes what our soul guides us to do won't always make sense to our minds or won't always be logical. It's not always convenient. And so uh, I looked into my future and age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50, on and on. And I realized if I follow the expected path, it's kind of a soul suicide that I'm committing. And I could be successful by anyone else's standards. But if I don't have myself, if I don't have my integrity, if I don't have my soul, the, what kind of success is that? And I decided to confront my father, speak my truth, which was very, 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 I mean, traumatically difficult. Uh, I think sometimes we think we have to have no fear, be fearless, but I was terrified. I did it anyway. Uh, we didn't speak for two years, transformed my life in a certain way. Um, the long story short, I won a green card in the lottery, the green card lottery, came to the US. And for me, that really uh, was an affirmation that I was on the right path. Came to the US, two suitcases, $800, you know, one in the country, landed in Los Angeles as a kid. I had a very challenging first few years here, uh, you know, stealing food from the supermarkets, literally uh, took a mattress out of the trash to sleep in because I just had no money. But I knew I was on the right path and I knew that my soul was guiding me. And so I went and found teachers, went and found mentors, and went and found many of the folks I've read about as a kid, you know, that were my heroes. And then from there, I went to the seminars. From there, I started traveling the world. I got to the point where I decided I want to know truth for myself. I want to know happiness, fulfillment. I want to know for myself, not because of what so-and-so is saying or because so-and-so wrote about. I want to know for my own, for my own being. And so yeah. then I decided to travel the world. I traveled to Israel, studied with rabbis, and Thailand with monks, and you know, India, studied with enlightened beings. And really from that, internal journey and healing and, and unraveling of my own self-identity, I came back to America again and started mm. coaching people one-on-one -on -one and just grew one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-five and evolved. And before you knew it, small groups, large groups, you know, seminars, and my first book, my second book. And yeah. That, that's Rest the short history. I think um, one of the things I just want to touch back on, which is, you know, almost a dichotomy in a way is that you've come from a spiritual upbringing with a man who healed so many and was giving the aura of acceptance and, and, you know, freedom and all those things that were coming through, but yet you were afraid of your father's judgment. And you had that moment where you didn't even speak for a couple of years. And, 
And I mean, this is an extreme case when you have a man that is a mystical healer, but most people feel this pressure from society and from their parents and everything else. But if people are truly spiritual and truly aligned, they will want their best for their children. They sometimes just have this programming where they don't know how to do that. So that brings us into a great segue, I think. Um, what I would love to do on this episode is give our listeners and our viewers the most radical value that hopefully they'll take away um, the opportunity to unlock that permission in themselves to what I call the 1090 rule, which is it doesn't matter where you got to at a certain point or how real the struggle was or how suppressing it was, recognizing that is in one way an awareness and a release, but it's what you do with that acknowledgement next. And you spoke about just knowing, having that feeling inside that even though you didn't have tons of cash in your wallet, even though you didn't know anyone, you just couldn't do anything else. And I think that's the discernment when you know that you can't turn back and you, when you're in alignment, you can't get derailed, even if it's uncomfortable. So we speak about the inconvenient truth. So one of the key areas that I work with and why I'm so excited to have you on the show is that we talk about giving truth and we talk about everyone should speak their truth. But I think as a society, we're not used to hearing it and receiving it and creating a safe place for people to say their truth without repercussions. So the fact that you can educate on understanding the quadrants of I feel, I think, I need, I want, and actually owning your truth. When you owned your truth, do you believe that gave you uh, an extra cylinder of motivation and grounding to keep your vision alive, even when it was really difficult? I just, look, I was a young kid and I just knew what I had to do. I knew that something was calling me. It didn't make sense. I had no idea what it meant for my future, but I just knew, like I could pretend. And I think many of us as human beings, we pretend, but I just knew that this was right. Yeah. Didn't know why, no guaranteed. It just felt like, Matter of fact, this is the right path. And I thought of, you know, I thought with my logical mind, I thought about following, taking an easier path, taking the expected path, taking a more convenient path. But, but the pain, when I felt the pain of that, it was really allowing myself to feel, the not to distract myself, but yeah. to feel the pain of the consequence of this lie. And I realized if I live this lie, to get my father's validation and everyone else's validation now, and I become successful, well, it's fake success, but if I become successful, I'm gonna to have to keep living this life for the rest of my life. And when I felt the pain of that self-betrayal, it, 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 it was too painful. And so yep. that propelled me forward. And I think, I you know, you, you speak about the truth. I think it's so, it's so true what you're saying that I think one of the things that stops us from truly being free, truly being fulfilled, truly being happy, truly being alive is, are all the ways we lie to ourselves. You know, we, we BS ourselves. We lie to ourselves. We rationalize right. why what we're doing is, is true when it's really not, you know, just to, we stay in relationships that we know is not aligned. We work jobs that we know is betraying our soul, our integrity. That's not the reason for why we were born. We negotiate our purpose away and life passes by and we wonder why we feel a pain inside. To me, 
when we feel pain inside, I think pain is a blessing. I think pain is a gift. To me, pain is simply feedback showing us where we're not in alignment, where we're not honoring ourselves, where we're not speaking the truth. The challenge is we distract ourselves from the pain. In our culture, we don't have a culture that acknowledges pain. Feel pain, take a pill. Feel pain, don't cry, don't feel pain. Feel, just, just be happy. But the truth is, I really think you know, we distract ourselves, we sex it away, drink it away, smoke it away. But I really think that if we're willing to acknowledge the pain as a friend, as feedback, that we can use that to show us where we're not aligned so that we can course correct. Yeah. So I would just invite everyone to sit with two questions, like with three questions maybe. What lies am I telling myself? And be willing just to get real. To me, happiness is simple. I, I looked into my future and I realized I can never be truly happy being someone that I'm not. I can pretend. I can never be truly happy uh, doing something that isn't aligned. Again, I can pretend, but we, we have to have the, the willing, we have to want the truth more than we want what we want. And we have to want the truth and, and, and to be free more than we want what yeah. we think we want anyway. And so what lies am I telling myself? And being honest about that, sometimes we don't tell the truth or acknowledge the truth because we're afraid of the consequences. So I tell people, take the pressure off of yourself from having to even take any action. Don't, you, don't have to take, you don't have to take action. I hate my job. You don't have to leave right now. Just, just acknowledge that. Acknowledge that, is, that is a step. I'm no longer in love with this person. This is no longer aligned, in alignment with my soul. You don't have to divorce. Just take a moment to feel that. That feeling starts a process for you to get in touch with what's real, what's so, what's true. I think that I want to pause you on that point because I'd like to affirm that a little bit deeper where people have what I call finite thinking. So they think all the areas have to be lined up before they can take action. And it's really brick by brick building a solid foundation, as you're saying. So if you're listening to this, there is no fast track and there is no requirement for you to have everything planned out. That's old programming, which yeah. is putting you through a system that you are then trying to control uh, how it all works. And, and the beauty of truth is there's no need to control. Like it's a liberation and a freedom, but you have to practice it brick by brick. So what Kud is saying is I wanted to pause you as you're listening to this. So you don't just listen going, oh my God, that was a great podcast. Yay. (laughs) But actually we're trying to get a message across here that it's radical accountability. Go far out. This is uncomfortable, but I don't have to let anyone else know that it's actually the relationship that you have with yourself to feel what your body and your soul are trying to tell you because they are the strongest navigators on this planet. And it's like where you think, your, you will go. What we think about expands. However you want to call it, neuroplasticity, quantum physics, metaphysics, it doesn't matter how you rationalize it. We all know it works. But if you rush through your thoughts, you're not building a solid foundation. So if you're listening to Coot, please take time to go, it's not a yes, yes, yes. It's how can I actually apply that rule so that I can acknowledge without need of action? And I think that's a very valuable tool when it comes to putting yourself on a new path, not even the right path, just your new path. And just don't rush. I think we, we need to then go what steps two or three or four, because that will be revealed. All you need to do is the next right thing. So you said three or four things. You've said two things. Feel yeah, the pain I, and then acknowledge it and don't feel you have to take action. Then what's yeah, the third question? Yeah. So, so, so that question is like, what lies am I telling myself? And just start telling the radical truth and feeling it and acknowledging it. Uh, and just sitting with even like, 
is another deeper question of the same question, which is like, what am I pretending to not know? You know, yeah. well, what am I pretending to not know? Because sometimes we play this game of confusion with ourselves. Like, I don't really know. I don't really know if what my purpose is. I'm not really sure what deep down we freaking know. We do know. We have an inkling. An inkling. Maybe we don't know the details. There's a sense. And I think sometimes the ego plays, the, the ego wants to seek and seek and seek and not find. And we play this kind of sneaky game with ourselves. Well, I'm not really sure as a self-protective mechanism from having to really uh, put ourselves out there, take the risk, take action. Because if I don't really know, I don't have to risk. I don't have to take action. I don't have to follow my purpose. I don't have to maybe fail and risk. I can always have the hope of the future fantasy. And so that's kind of a, a game we play. I think there's a part of us deep down that knows everything at the deepest level. I, I, because I, at, the, at the deepest level, we are everything. Like, like for instance, folks listening in, if you've been in a relationship in the past and you weren't sure, like, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it the person do I want to be? You knew. Is it right? And then we, two years, three years we waste. We, we speak to our friends every weekend. Should I leave? Should I stay? When we leave, we tell our best friend, I knew that wasn't going to work. When did you know? I knew in the first month. I knew in the first few weeks. I knew in the first, we, we know. And I think it takes a tremendous willingness, talk about accountability to be responsible for our knowing because that, with that responsibility is power. And sometimes we don't own the truth because we're also afraid of the responsibility that comes with that. Because when we own our truth, we can no longer say, uh, it's, it's, it's your fault. We can no longer say, it's my parents' fault. We can no longer say, it's Santa Claus's fault. It's, it's now, it's on us. You know, it's, it's, it's our responsibility. Right? But, but I think that's where true freedom starts. In but the that, that's total liberation. Truth. And that's essentially what we, what I think this new world of all of us here, and I say to people, it doesn't matter who you listen to, the messaging we're all saying in genuine congruence is extreme self-sufficiency. So I just want to put a concept to you is taking a, a world, we're all pieces of this puzzle, but when we have conformity and validation, we're kind of soggy pieces of the puzzle because we're not really sure where we stick together and we're kind of trying to be someone else's piece of the puzzle. But if we're all radically, acutely aware of our individual selves and make conscious decisions, I call them atomic decisions, where there's, there's no friction. Because you know when you listen to your soul, it's a yes or no answer. So getting to that radical awareness creates really strong pieces of the puzzle. We have ultimate collaboration, co-creation, you know, fantastic relationships, whatever level they're on, because you don't have to do anything other than show up and keep evolving. And that's the thing, there is no finite outcome because it's a constant evolution. But the issue is, is that we're cookie-cutted. And so now we're coming through this kind of phoenix rising, woke nation, let's call it. But we have to know the difference between real breakthroughs and fake-throughs. And the only way to do that is to have radical accountability to go, if it doesn't feel right, you don't need to know all the answers, but you do need to know yourself. And that's what you're teaching. You are the one, the magic of surrender. Yeah. I teach it in radical self-belief is that we are putting people back in the driver's seat and not so they can control anything else, but that they can be truly liberated to utilize this quantum intelligence that exists through, you know, through that stuff. So that extra deeper question that Coot just said to you, is, you know, you're only fooling yourself. And there'll be many people on this 
show that love the idea of taking a leap of faith and going into that ether, into that solar system where there's no roadmap. And there'll be a few of you that will decide to take the next right step. And that's all you need to do is go, what is the next right step? That's it. And then, Coot, you said the next thing when people go on this journey, and I know you've written about it and you are the one, it's not needing to place your opinions or projections onto anyone else. And we often blame and shame in culture and we gossip. I always say that one finger pointing out is three pointing back. So when you have radical truth, you are absolutely detached from other people's actions because they're going to operate how they're going to operate anyway. So most people going through this phase, they might be the only one in their friendship group and their family circle and their direct ecosystem that is transforming. And it's about trusting the process when you don't have a new tribe and you don't have a mentor where you have to really trust yourself. Do you feel that that's also important to to do the inner work where trusting yourself is more important than having a life raft all the time? Yeah, I think when we talk about trusting ourselves, you know, I think it's good for us, for people, for us to ask, because we're conditioned, trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself. We're told, trust yourself, trust yourself. You hear it a lot in self-help, but I always ask people, what self are you referring to? Exactly. You know, because quite often the self that we trust is really the identity-based condition you know, ego conditioned version of ourselves, which we think is who we are, but it's not necessarily the real self with a capital S, because what we truly are is beyond this body, is beyond form, is beyond physicality, is beyond trauma, is beyond pain, is beyond stories, beyond, you know, meanings we've made up from childhood. We are infinite beings. So the infinite self, the real self, like is the ultimate real trust. And I think when we trust that self, which is the source of existence, the source of life, the source of all manifestation, the source of everything and everyone and all of life, mm-hmm. then we are in flow. Like yeah. then, then that's where the real magic happens. But what we tend to do is, you know, from childhood, we've been conditioned to believe that we're this sort of little ego structures, you know, that we learn to avoid pain and protect our feelings and get certain needs met by, yeah. yeah, by becoming who we think we need to be in order to get love, validation, approval, we taught ourselves into a certain shape. And then we hold, then we hold tightly to this version of ourselves that we've become as a way to get love, validation, approval, avoid pain. And we think this is who we are and it gets reinforced by life. Then we go into life and we do life being this version of ourselves thinking, this is me, it's just who I am. So I think we have to be willing to question ourselves, to really trust ourselves, we have to be willing to question ourselves yeah. and the self that we think we are because the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free to truly trust ourselves. And I think yeah. many times we are trusting ourselves and the self with that self, the, the small self, comes so many different stories. I'm not enough, I'm not this, I'm unlovable. I'm, and we tend to trust that and we tend to believe the, this entire story that we create about ourselves, but that's, that's, we've been conditioned from childhood, but also programmed, hypnotized, seduced, and conditioned by advertising, by media, by, by, you know, by, by shops, by reality television, like to believe in this version of ourselves that we have been conditioned to be, because the more we believe ourselves to be these limited, finite beings, the more we can be controlled 
the more That's we can be matrix. manipulated with fear, right? Yeah. The more we're in the matrix, the more we're going to be, we can get sold a bunch of, bunch of shit. Like, oh, you're this little thing. But if you just wear this underwear, you buy this phone, yeah. you, you, air you, or, yeah. Yeah, you, you drink this beer, then you're going to be enough and well, you're going to be amazing. And we get preyed on. And so I think the real freedom and the real power comes when we know the real self and to trust that. That is... That's, that's real surrender. Let's just talk about that for one second then, because I, I love the subject. I always say your ego is not your amigo. Now, one of the things working with high performance athletes and everything else, you can never get rid of, mine's called Bobo, so name your ego, give your ego a name. We've all got it. No one ever gets rid of it completely. You're just like, hey, I see you. You know, thanks very much. Swipe, swipe left, right? <laughs> uh, I call it thought tinder. So you might have that subconscious program thought, but if you're listening to this and, and you want to, my way of describing it is your, your small self, your subconscious program self is always the really busy chatty one. It's like, it's always changing the channel on the TV. It's, it's giving you all these hyper rational kind of walking you through things. The way to discern your capital S self, as, you, as Coot just says, I always like to say is if you were to ask yourself a question and be very still, even for three seconds, it's that quiet voice that goes, Yes or no. And it's, it's letting that be the loud voice because it is so strong and grounded and beautiful. That's so what we want to talk to you about on today's show is, is mental flexibility. Just like you go to the gym and you train your muscles, you've also got to train your bigger self, your true self, your soul self to have to be heard and to recognize the difference, to discern the difference between ego and self. Now, ego you know, let's not go into why it's all there. We already know that. We're here on today's episode to say it's the discernment of who's going to be in the driver's seat that day. And anyone that tells you that you can get rid of your subconscious programming forever is, I don't know, I would probably call bullshit on that. I think that we've got so many layers and complexities and sometimes they come through generational programming that aren't even yours. It's just inherited atomic DNA. And when you can understand that, it no longer has power over you because you're like, Hey, buddy, like I know what feels right. And that takes practice. So when you read Kut's book or you listen to the videos and even on my little, my little chatterbox show, it's truly about taking the diverse neuroplasticity of retraining your mind and your thoughts to be the ones that you choose rather than what you've been provided. And that takes practice because you can sit there and say, I understand what you're saying. But my challenge and my offer to each of you listening to this podcast is to go, how are you going to apply it? Where are you going to take these nuggets of information? Go, well, I'm going to practice recognizing subconscious self, ego, limiting beliefs, blame, shame, guilt, fear. And I call it, write it down. So write your blurts down. And you might be on your phone or whatever you do. I like to write things in, in by pen. And you might have a hundred blurts in one day that you've captured. And you realize that you've been navigating your whole day based on your inner child self rather than your soul self. So what Coot's teaching is this, yourself is the quiet, the calm, it's what I call neutral, right? So when you teach you are the one and you're recognizing that Coot, how would you say people fight that because they want to justify how difficult it is? to get rid of the ego what you know what's the biggest pushback uh, I, I, I think i think you you hit the nail on the head the ego is not something we even have to to get rid of and i think i think that the 
drive to get rid of the ego is in and of itself ego. And ego, when we understand the nature of the ego, mm -hmm. ego is just the form of identifying ourselves. The, check, the issue isn't even ego, it's the, the, the depth of identification and holding on to that being me. The ego is just a vehicle in this 3D human experience, a vehicle for us to function through. And, you know, Dalai Lama has an ego. Because if you say, hey, Dalai Lama, yo, how you doing? He's going to turn around and look, right? And so if he had no ego, he would just sit there blank, basically. And so to me, the issue isn't the ego, it's our relationship with it. Exactly. And understanding that it's not, it's not even a thing. It's a process, like, like cycling a bike. It's a process of identification. And the, and, and the issue is how tightly I'm holding onto that. And I think when we can shift our relationship with ego and realize it's not good or bad, it just is what it is. It's a function, it's a form. Yeah. It just is. And rather than letting it use me because I'm so attached to it, then I can, I can use it and, and vehicle through life, drive through life with this ego structure and not be limited by it because I'm so attached and not buy into it because I recognize the reality of what I am. And so I think it's really good to really uh, question ourselves. Like, yeah. who am I? You know, who Isn't am I? And what, and what am I? And, and to observe ourselves and realize, okay, it's not who I am. It's yeah. not what I really am. And so just that shift in the relationship with ego can be so subtly but deeply uh, transformative to allow more space for us in our relationship with it where there's no fight ego wants to fight because the more we fight it to try and kill it to it annihilate it, it to get rid of it, it it gives it energy and it it reinforces its sense of existence versus yeah. just observing it and realizing the the energy of this identification that we think we thought we were we've been conditioned to be to think that we are realizing oh okay it's it's there it's doing its thing and it, i think each time we don't fight, resist, or force, it, it starts to lose its grip. Great. The grip of it starts to lose, and there's more spaciousness. And I think that's, that's the freedom. You know, when I went to India the first time, I met with this, uh, yeah, let's say enlightened being, you know, self enlightened master. He looked at me because I was like, trying to get rid of my ego. I'm 20 years old, I got to get rid of my ego and be like Ramana Maharishi, you know. And he says, he looks at me and he says, uh, if you, this was really profound. He said something like, in this Indian accent, you know, if you want to get rid of your ego, and he laughed, he said, hurry up and do it now. Because when you're enlightened or awakened, you just won't give a shit. You know, you just really won't give a shit. And thought, yeah. but it's, it's, like was, a, it's like an addiction to criticism. We, we almost criticize ourselves once we've discovered the discernment between, you know, even Eckhart Tolle talks about the pain body. It's our addiction to being a aware of all the pain that we've gone through and, and that that reinforces too our sense of exactly like, ourselves up oh, i'm here i'm still here i'm yeah. still here and yeah. so that that addiction reinforces our 100%. sense of i exist you know yeah. i love that and i think you know which brings me into a beautiful segue because i love this topic i'm all about it i have these funny stick figures that i always draw about taking a leap of faith you call it the magic of surrender okay uh, yes because it's that beautiful space between the walls of discomfort, like what we know, and then non-evidence-based trust. 
because when we are pioneering in our own world, let's not say everyone's Elon Musk because we're all pioneers. We're, we're, all, we're all magicians. Oh, it's just magical. But because we don't realize that we haven't unlocked it, we, we need to have validation, a certificate, an MBA, an institute of this. A, whew, and I'm exhausted thinking about the list goes on. Who created that framework anyway? So when you take that leap of faith because you've got no, you, you've set your pizza order up to the universe. You know what your utopia looks like. This is all, this is all Nikki language. But once you've done that, it's the trust in between that is where the magic happens. And that, as we say, is the magic of surrender. Because if you're in true alignment for your highest good and you're not trying to like fight with the universe, <laughs> then you have to be like the ocean and allow the ebbs and flows. And I love this word of space because I'll finish really quickly and then I'm going to hand the mic over to you. But I feel like everybody's so busy plugging all the spaces, they've forgotten to allow the integration and the things that they've so beautifully manifested to come in and work in a way that is just meant for their highest good. But we're so busy knowing better and trying to control it that we actually sabotage this ebbs and flow, this organic, you know, beautiful synthesis of becoming the one that you are for yourself understanding and being aware of all those programmings, but not buying into it. It's like, it's liberating because all of a sudden you have all this energy back, you know, because there's no friction internally. You're like, whoa, it's a bit like Neo in the matrix. Mm-hmm. You know? So with the magic of surrender, which I'm so passionate about, trusting the space between leaping and landing to me is where the magic happens. What would you say mm-hmm. most people when your teachings love about this whole philosophy of the magic of surrender? Well, they lo- I mean, look, I think surrender provides a tremendous freedom, really. You know, I mean, I think in our culture today, there's many misconceptions about surrender. We kind of think that surrender is weak, that surrender is, I think we have to just clear them up. Surrender is weak, surrender is passive, that surrender means you've got doormats, surrender can means you're going to be a victim. Surrender means you won't manifest those goals, dreams, and desires. Surrender means you're going to get left behind. Surrender means uh, you're going to get less. And I'm actually saying, no, surrender is the most powerful thing that you can do. That if you surrender, you may not, it's not about getting less. You're likely to get more, maybe not what you expected with the limitation of your logic or your conscious mind, but you're opening yourself to receiving more. You're taking the limits off of life and completely in an infinite open sort of position, positionality. And now the limits are off of life. You're transcending your own self and you're opening to the infinite possibilities truly to allow life to flow. So I think that's the beauty. That's the power. That's what people love. So it's letting go of control or the, the, the illusion that we're in control. Yeah, illusion. It, it's, it's, it's when we stop trying to force life to fit into our limited idea of how we think it should be, who we think we should be, the conditioning, the expectations. And we allow ourselves to truly be open to this energy, this intelligence, the life that is authentically seeking to reveal itself, the relationship that's authentically seeking to reveal itself, the situation that's authentically seeking to reveal itself. Because often we have been programmed to try to live life, manifest life, set goals from the level of the mind. Like this, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? The challenge is, we're not, we're not really, you know, we don't really ask the question, who is the I and what is the I that we were talking about, this ego version? What is the I that wants? And so, so often we end up through goal setting, limiting 
what we can manifest that we're not even consciously aware of. We're limiting it. And I'm saying surrender is taking the limits off of life completely. Yes, you might get what you thought you wanted, but not many times we get what we thought we wanted on the level of the mind, only to realize that what we thought we wanted was just what we thought we wanted. It wasn't what we really wanted. It was just what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were. So in surrender, you're asking a bigger question. It's an infinite question. And that question is, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it the universe is seeking to express through me? What is the deepest impulse of what life wants to manifest and express and love and podcast and write through me? And allowing yourself to be just fully available and open without limitations, without projections, and just available to that. And then aligning your actions and your strategy and your resources with that deepest, most authentic uh, movement. And I think that's the blessing. When we, if you look at the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Elon Musk, right? Uh, Mandela, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, they all surrendered themselves in a certain sense to this impulse. You know, We're going to get some say, comments that we included Elon Musk in that list. Okay, let me give you an example. Elon Musk, okay? I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's a perfect human being. Uh, I'm not saying he's well, enlightened. It is perfect. But, but, you know, exactly. I mean, what is perfect? What is but perfect? look at this. Here's a guy, PayPal makes $190 million. Most people would float off into the sunset. Most people would protect that money. Most, most people most would protect people. that money. Most people. But here he is. He, he feels this calling. You know, SpaceX, Tesla, right? Solar City basically puts everything he has, following the calling, everything he has into these businesses that he feels can change the trajectory of humanity. Everything has to borrow money from rent. That surrender. He's yep. surrendering. That, that's, that's a demonstration of surrender in a specific way. He's surrendering to the calling of his soul. Whether he thought about it as surrender or not, or his soul or not, he felt the calling, he followed it. To me, that's a demonstration of surrender. And that's why I use him as an example and how we can live this surrender in our life. I believe that when you truly surrender to this intelligence, to this impulse, this, this it, like you talked about trust. I actually say, Someone asked me the other day, how do I trust life? I'm like, how the hell do you not trust life? How do you not trust life? How do you not trust Every moment of every second of existence to a degree is, is, is showing you, every breath you take is showing you that you can trust it. Right now we're sitting here having a conversation. We're not here sitting here going, breathe, 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 digest my food, digest my food. It's just happening. There are trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of processes happening inside of our body right now in the last second to even be able to say the word trust, to be able to look and see colors. Exactly. And it's happening in spite of us. And the same intelligence that is functioning you, functioning me, function. So I would just tell everyone, tune into your body, connect with your body, but also tune into nature because the same intelligence functions you. Oh. Functioning the sun, functioning the moon, functioning solar systems, right? That how can we not trust that every second is proof? That to me, actually, I want to bookmark that comment before we talk about anything else. Is the true connectivity and the wonder, the uh, the regeneration, the the everything that you can hear nature breathing around you. You know, um, it's it's been able to connect and to treat it with respect and to bring back all those aspects of. Buddhism and everything. I was like tending to plants. I've got a jungle and the things that we thought, oh, I could do this or I could do that. But nature, if anything, is to show us how agile and beautiful and incredibly beautifully designed. It's coming from this place of awe. We don't take our shoes off enough. We don't slow down enough. We've become 
consumers rather than creators. And one of the things yeah. I want to talk to you about in your surrender things, I just want to say mm. the dichotomy of everyone out there asking and searching what the unique fundamental gift is that actually, if you're in true receipt of listening, you never have to ask for anything. And that to me is a true abundance because there's never any give and take. It's, 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 there's an osmosis where there's no gap. But because we've, tra- we've programmed to think there's an exchange all the time, when you're in flow, there's no exchange, you just, just is. And that's surrender and that's trust. So it's creating evidence-based moments like where people have got loved ones passed over recently. Also, my dad, there might be a butterfly passed by. It's, it's resurrecting your faith for nature, your faith for breath. And if you need to figure out how to surrender when you're afraid to take any leap of faith off the back of this podcast or video with Coot, I would say all you need to do is connect with your breath because that is yes. the elixir of everything. That is what creates cellular activity. That is where your atomic intelligence comes from. That is where everything that allows this exchange of ideas to happen, that you can hear everything. Now, we can't take a metaphysical world and unground our three-dimensional phone and the connections, but we can amplify the opportunities that we have to get radically real and to be full of gratitude and not in a fake way, but in a way where you don't have to talk about it with anyone because it sits inside your cells. And it, from there, it naturally amplifies itself. And so if you can take care of yourself and you cannot worry about your neighbor and not worry about what your kids are doing, but you become a lead by example version of the gift that you have to take care of your own side of the street off the back of this episode and all the learnings available. And instead of consuming and asking and searching that you just stop for a second and you listen because I truly believe that that moment, that nanosecond, that, that infinite little voice, if we just stop, you'll hear it. And then all you need to do is keep listening. And then you will be shown. It's like Indiana Jones where he goes to step off the, the invisible thing and, and he puts his foot out and then there's a brick. I love that analogy. You know, everyone listening to this is probably too young for Indiana Jones. But anyway... What we should not be staring at people like Elon Musk, Richard Branson, the modern day heroes who are good having good money in this world. That's really my mission that people that run these businesses have good values. If everybody that was good went to the hills to become a Buddhist monk, who would be left operating our corporations? So, we need those of you listening to do well with everything, to treat money as an organic nature, which creates an extended form of community where there is no lack. There is no uh, have to do this to organize that. And as Coot said, you can ground everything in your three-dimensional structures. You still have to work within a given framework, but you can take your handbrake off by needing to have this constant tiring search and validation because when you shift yourself around the box, a whole new world awaits. And the greatest example of that is nature. And that is a way to surrender. You know how a tree starts to sprout in the middle of a concrete jungle because it finds a way. And that's how you've got to think about your soul. So off the back of this podcast, when we talk about the magic of surrender, you need to start practicing that and create your own evidence. Practice the magic of surrender. Practice going for a day where maybe you don't do 20 tasks. You just say, I'm just going to do three of the most important tasks. Then I'm going to go and go for a walk and I'm going to leave my phone behind. Because how can you hear what the universe is trying to tell you if you're constantly stuffing every single sense with information? 
that can't give you the greatest access to everything on earth, which is your atomic intelligence. So if anyone listening to my show, and I'm so passionate about this, my clients know it, is watching this right now and you get the opportunity to watch Coot, who's just a magic human, please take away and become an advocate for your own life first before you go and run out with your certificate of awokeness and tell everyone else how to do it. Maybe just be that consistently yourself because that in itself will be teaching others. And I think I'm so excited to connect with valuable humans that we can talk about it with passion and unlimited energy. And I will not apologize for the energy and the multiple things that I do in my day anymore. But for many years, I, I, I really try, had to calm myself down, just be a bit quieter. Don't, well, that imagination of yours, Nikki, you know, all those things. Oh. And in the end, I just couldn't, I couldn't be suppressed anymore. And I don't want others to have to go through that type of horrific awakening. I would like people to start realizing there's a new handbook. So if you can pick up You Are The One by Coot, or if you, actually, you've got a live virtual thing coming up with a new paperback, don't you? Yeah, in a nutshell, the, the Magic of Surrender paperback comes out May the 3rd of this year, 2022. And for those that purchase pre-order the paperback before May the 3rd, I'm doing a, a very special live online transformational seminar. It's called Reinvent Life, How to Reinvent Yourself, Release the Past, Connect with Your your true authentic power and share your gifts with the world. So it's going to be a powerful three-hour deep dive uh, seminar, virtual seminar from all over the folks from all over the world. So pre-order the book on Amazon, paperback version, and then just folks can go to the website, Kublaxon, my name, Kublaxon, K-U-T-E, dot com forward slash reinvent seminar. And just, yeah, once you go there, enter your receipt from your paperback version and you get access to the seminar, May the 7th, and a whole bunch of free gifts. That's fantastic. So that book's coming out on May the 3rd on Amazon. We're going to put all the links below. Anyways, Coot, so where are you based at the moment? Like what's your, what's your, what are the things, I've got these little vital ingredients that I love to do no matter what's going on in my life. What are your private little things that are just your essence that you like to do that set yourself up for the day? Yeah, it's really simple. To be honest, I, you know, wake up, three to five minutes, like to lie in bed and in between the space of waking and sleeping in that space, I think is very safe, is very precious. And so in that moment, just give my gratitude, connect with my body, bless my body, send energy to my entire body, just send my energy out into the day as an energetic vibrational feeling and intention for the day, connecting with all the people that my soul is meant to connect with in that moment. Um, then I exercise. It's real, real simple. Uh, for me, I exercise daily in some way or form where an hour a day, around 10 minutes a day, depending if I'm in the gym or this morning I ran. And so for me, the physical uh, exercise of just moving my energy is whether I'm traveling and I travel a lot. Last week I was in Ghana, you know, the week before, two weeks before I was in Mexico. And so regardless of where I am or what I do, or if I'm traveling, I have to wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning to exercise. It's, it's just, that's a non-negotiable because it just sets the foundation for my energy, my physical energy, which then translates into everything else. Meditate, sit, meditate quietly, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a, a day. And it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty simple, to be honest. But for me, the key is just being consistent with it and, and just endeavoring, honestly, to, to, live, to live life moment to moment with, with awareness. Mm. 
And just a little touchback in history, you mentioned that, you know, it was really a brave thing you had to do when you had your conversation with your father and you didn't speak to him for a couple of years. And how is that relationship now? Yeah, that relationship has evolved because, um, you know, there came a point where uh, when I came to the U.S. after a few years, I really got to the point of just forgiving my father, truly just forgiving him and releasing him. Literally the next day, out of the blue, two years, he calls me and he says, son, we need to speak. And that began a healing journey. And for many years, you know, we, we, we weren't close in the sense of, we would talk about life and goals and relationships. It wasn't like that kind of relationship. My father's old school. And, and so, but there was a level of love and, I, and I, didn't, I wasn't carrying a level of pain in my heart around my upbringing. So there was a lot of healing. The, the relationship really went to a whole other level when I write about this magical surrender, when my, my mother passed away of stomach cancer in 2017. And... We all thought my father would go first since he's quite a bit older and my mother went and I didn't understand why I liked it. When, when my mother passed, you could say I started to feel her soul from the other side and I asked her from the other side. I asked her, why did you go earlier? Like, well, why did you leave before my father? And she said, I left early because my mother and I were like this very close. And she said, I left earlier and I died before in order to gift you a deeper relationship with your father. And so if you do one thing for me, you know, honor him. And so I made a decision to call my father every day for the rest of my life and his life without fail as, as a, like, I don't want to say duty because duty could feel bound to something, but there was a honor for his soul, an honor and a respect for his soul. And so I decided I was going to call him every day just to check in. No great conversation. I call him every day. And that act of loving, honestly, transformed him because I don't think he's had anyone just show up that sincerely for him and has transformed him to the point where the depth of love and, 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 and connection and appreciation has been so, so healing uh, between us, you know, yeah. and, and it's been a lot of healing and I would say karmic healing that has happened just in the the honoring and the loving back and forth. And so yeah. it's been, it's been be we're in a beautiful place now. Well, what a, a beautiful representation of legacy. And I feel like it's so important. We have to put our swords down and aside our reasons why not, because we have to come from a place that, you know, when people have passed over, you can't pick up the phone anymore. You don't get to be with their voice. You don't, we, we take so much for granted. We've become such an automated race. And, if you can give yourself that gift of showing up for someone without them needing to perform back to you in a certain way, and two words, consistency and genuine. I think it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing because, as you say, people aren't used to people showing up for them genuinely. And that's what I realized. Like, I had to give up the idea that, because for me, I, there was a, still a slight point of well relationship is two way and he should call I just had to give that up as the only thing that matters only thing that matters is the loving and I love him. that's what I know so I'm gonna freaking just love him doesn't matter what he does or doesn't do that's on him I love him and I'm gonna love him and that's all there is to it and I just started to love him with z honestly zero expectation that I would get anything in return just yeah. as an act of my own commitment to my own truth. 
and beautiful. It, it was revolutionary. Honestly. Well, I, I hope that we've inspired some people to maybe take that action today. I know that you've got to put, stop attaching stories to everything. It's exhausting. You know, it's just so much easier to come from a place of neutrality. Just loving something is enough. It doesn't have to be according to X, Y, Z. And I think that is the magic of surrender as well. It is, you know, of course, these healthy boundaries. We're not talking about toxic relationships and everything else, but we are talking about owning your own truth and 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 legacies and sharing culture. This is the other thing, which is a whole whole new episode. If we ever get to do one together again, it's like lost generations of of medicine, of culture, of nurture, of language. It's these things that, that are part of our DNA that have just been shut down because of asking Siri something and at AI robotics. So I believe that if you're watching this and I do get an opportunity to ever chat with Kurt again, I'd like to chat about the evolution of culture and the need now for us to come back into the sense of community to share that knowledge and to continue that knowledge to pass down all the generational ways of doing things because it's so valuable and that's what's making me sad in today's generation is that they're too into screens and they're not into experiences and experiences are cooking and family and doing things side by side. We're an isolated world that is causing a loss of happiness. Solo self-care is no longer going to sustain you for long-term well-being, cellular regeneration and a feeling of community. So we encourage you to get connected and to go and join different sports and be active we are an all-dimensional being. We need to move. We need to breathe. We need to be tested and we need to laugh. So, Coot, I just want to say thank you so much also for listening so intently as, you know, the subject is very passionate to me that we empower any individual to find their own way in the way that suits them one step at a time. It's your race and your pace, listeners. Um, if you want to find out more about the magic of Surrender coming out on May 3rd on Amazon, Hop on to Coot Blackson, that's K-U-T-E, Blackson.com. Obviously, I'll have the show notes on NikkiFogdemore.com, and this is available through Spotify, iTunes, and every single podcast platform you can imagine. The video will be on YouTube, and you can go and connect with Coot on Instagram and all the usual social hangouts if you want to absorb more of that energy. Uh, one last thing to leave our listeners and viewers with, Coot, what would you like to just, one little magic mantra, perhaps, that you just want to leave this episode on today? You're going to die, bottom line. You're <laughs> going are. to die. Make, yeah. you know, obviously your soul is infinite, never dies, never, it's never born, but you're going to die. Make death your friend, feel it, meditate on it, embrace it, celebrate it, die before you die. When you remember that, then it, it puts into perspective the reality and the preciousness of this moment. And so what would you need to do? What would you need to say? What would you need to express? What would you need to forgive? So that if, if death came right now, because none of us know when that moment's going to come, you could throw your arms open and be ready with no regrets. You're going to die. Embrace your death. Well, and you know, we couldn't end on a more profound statement than that. It eradicates all fear when you have nothing to lose anymore. You become entirely integrated. So please remember, guys, this really isn't, there's no dress rehearsal in life. And everything we're trying to teach you today is coming from a place of the very best intent to make you the most self-sufficient, happy human we can. The more of those we have wandering around, the more magical our future generations are going to have too. Coot Blackson, thank you so much for being on the show, Radical Self-Belief, the Mojo Maker podcast here in Australia and you way over there in the US. And the book Magic of Surrender is going to be out. All details will be on the show notes. 
thank you again. And until next time, listeners and viewers, please like and subscribe. We'd love your comments. And remember, you are in the driver's seat of life. So stay healthy, wealthy and wise. Well, thank you so much for joining, listening and engaging in Radical Self-Belief, the Mojo Maker podcast. Drop me a like, share and subscribe to Nikki Fogden-Moore on YouTube as well as across all the podcast channels and my website, nikkifogdenmore.com for Monday Mojo exclusive emails from me each week. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST10 for 10% off any of my books when you shop online at nikkifogdenmore.com. Until next time, you stay healthy, wealthy and wise and remember you are in the driver's seat of life.